Today I'm going to perform from my one-man show of Wind in the Willows to take us up to Christmas. It's a much-beloved story by Kenneth Graham, a Scottish author who wrote it for his only son, Alistair, in 1908. I was inspired to adapt it as a one-man show after I saw a friend's musical production in New York. Enjoy! The Mole had been working very hard all the morning, spring-cleaning his little home, first with brooms, then with dusters, then on ladders and steps and chairs with a brush and a pail of whitewash, till he had dust in his throat and eyes and splashes of whitewash all over his black fur and an aching back and weary arms. Spring was moving in the air above and in the earth below and around him, penetrating even his dark and lowly little house with its spirit of divine discontent and longing. It was small wonder, then, that he suddenly flung down his brush on the floor, said, Bother! Oh, blow! Hang spring-cleaning! and bolted out of the house without even waiting to put on his coat. Something up above was calling him urgently, and he made for the steep little tunnel outside his front door. So he scraped and scratched and scrabbled and scrooged, and then he scrooged again and scrabbled and scratched and scraped, working busily with his little paws and muttering to himself, Up we go, up we go, till at last, pop! His snout came out into the sunlight, and he found himself rolling in the warm grass of a great meadow. This is fine. This is better than whitewashing. The sunshine struck hot on his fur. Soft breezes caressed his heated brow, and the carol of happy birds fell on his dulled hearing almost like a shout. Jumping off all his four legs at once, in the joy of living and the delight of spring, without its cleaning, he pursued his way across the meadow till he reached the hedge on the further side. Hold up, said an elderly rabbit at the gap. Sixpence for the privilege of passing by the private road. (laughs) He was bowled over in an instant by the impatient and contemptuous mole who trotted along the side of the hedge, making fun of the other rabbits as they peeped hurriedly from their holes to see what the row was about. Onion sauce! Onion sauce! He remarked jeeringly, and was gone before they could think of a satisfactory reply. Then they all started grumbling at each other. How stupid you are! Well, why didn't you tell him? Well, why didn't you say? You might have reminded him. And so on in the usual way. But of course it was then much too late, as is always the case. Mole thought his happiness complete, when, as he meandered aimlessly along, suddenly he stood by the edge of a full-fed river. Never in his life had he seen a river before, this sleek, sinuous, full-bodied animal, chasing and chuckling, gripping things with a gurgle, and leaving them with a laugh. All was a shake and a shiver, glints and gleams and sparkle, rustle and swirl, 
chatter and bubble. The mole was bewitched, entranced, fascinated. By the side of the river he trotted, as one trots when very small, until, tired at last, he sat on the bank. As he looked across the river, a dark hole in the bank opposite, just above the water's edge, caught his eye. As he gazed, something bright and small seemed to twinkle down in the heart of it. Then it winked at him, and so declared itself to be an eye, and a small face began to grow up around it, like a frame round a picture. A brown little face with whiskers. <gasps> it was the water rat! Then the two animals stood and regarded each other cautiously. Hello, Mole, said the water rat. Hello, rat, said the mole. Would you like to come over? Oh, it's all very well to talk, said the mole rather impatiently, he being new to a river and riverside life and its ways. The rat said nothing, but lightly stepped into a little boat, which the mole had not observed. It was painted blue outside and white within, and was just the size for two animals, and the mole's whole heart went out to it at once. The rat sculled across smartly and made fast. Then he held up his forepaw as the mole stepped gingerly down, and the mole, to his surprise and rapture, found himself actually seated in a real boat. This has been a wonderful day. Do you know, I've never been in a boat in all my life. What? Never been in a... Well, well what have you been doing then? Is it so nice as all that? Nice? It's the only thing. Believe me, Mole, my young friend, there is nothing, absolutely nothing, half so much worth doing as simply messing about in boats. Simply messing, messing. Look ahead, rat. It was too late. The boat struck the bank full tilt. Oh, 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 oh. about in boats or with boats. <laughs> in or out of them, it doesn't matter. That's the charm of it. Look here, Mole, if you've really nothing else on hand this morning, supposing we drop down the river and have a long day of it. The Mole waggled his toes from sheer happiness. Oh, what a day I'm having. Let's start at once. The Rat returned to his side of the riverbank, secured his boat, climbed up, and soon reappeared, staggering under a fat wicker luncheon basket. Oh, what's inside it? There's cold chicken, cold tongue, cold ham, cold beef, pickled gherkin salad, French rolls, cress sandwiches, potted meat, ginger beer, lemonade, soda water. Oh, stop, stop, cried the mole in ecstasies. This is too much. Off they went intoxicated with the sparkle, the ripple, the scents and the sounds and the sunlight, the mole trailed a paw in the water and dreamed long waking dreams, while the rat sang a little song which he called Duck's Ditty. All along the backwater through the rushes tall, 
Ducks are a-dabbling, up tails all. Ducks' tails, drakes' tails, yellow feet a-quiver. Yellow bills all out of sight, busy in the river. <laughs> the rat's splendid rhymes were rather lost on Mole. What lies over there, rat? That, oh, that's just the wild wood. That's where Badger lives. And the weasels. We don't go there very much, we riverbankers. And beyond the wild wood, where it's all blue and dim, beyond the wild wood comes the wide world. <laughs> and that's something that doesn't matter to you or me. Look here, Mole. Why don't you come and stay with me for a time? It's very plain and rough, you know, but you'll be comfortable there and I'll teach you to row and to swim and uh, pretty soon you'll be as handy on the water as any of us. <sighs> the mole was so touched by Rat's kind manner of speaking that he found no voice to answer him and he had to brush away a tear or two with the back of his paw. But the Rat kindly looked in another direction. Presently, the rat brought the boat to a willow-shaded bank, made fast, and during the course of their splendid feast, discoursed enthusiastically about the charms of life on the river and about its most colourful inhabitant, the Honourable Mr Toad of Toad Hall. He is indeed the best of animals, so simple, so good-natured and so affectionate, it may be that he is both boastful and conceited, but uh, he has got some great qualities, has Tony. When winter came, with its cold and frost and miry ways, and the swollen river raced past the windows of Rat's house with a speed that mocked at boating of any kind, the two friends devoted their waking hours which were much fewer during this sleepy season, to reading poetry by Rat's fireside, sledging on the snow-draped hillsides, and brisk walks in the country, as much to relish a good cup of hot cider when they returned, as for the exercise. It was Christmas Eve when they started back from one of their longer afternoon excursions. The Rat was walking a little way ahead, as his habit was, so he did not notice when poor Mole stopped dead in his tracks. His nose searching hither and thither in its efforts to recapture the scent that had reached him in the darkness. A moment, and he had caught it again, and with it this time came recollection in fullest flood. Home! Why, it must be quite close by at that moment. His old home that he had hurriedly forsaken and never sought again since that day when he first found the river. Shabby indeed, and small and poorly furnished, and yet his. Ratty, hold on, come back quick. Oh, come along, Mole, do, replied the rat cheerfully, still plodding along. Please stop, Ratty, you don't understand. It's my home, 
My old home! I've just come across the smell of it, and it's close by here. I must go to it. I must! I must! Oh, please come back, Ratty! Please, please come back! The rat was by this time very far ahead, too far to hear clearly what the mole was calling. Well, we mustn't stop now, really. It's late, and the snow's coming on again. We'll come for it tomorrow, whatever it is you found. And he pressed forward on his way, without waiting for an answer. Poor Mole stood alone in the road, his heart torn asunder, and a big sob gathering, gathering somewhere low down inside him. <sighs> With a wrench that tore his very heartstrings, Mole followed submissively in the track of the rat, while faint, thin little smells still dogged his retreating nose. With an effort, he caught up the unsuspecting rat, who began chattering cheerfully about what they would do when they got back and what a supper he meant to eat. At last, however, after they had gone some considerable way further, he stopped. Look here, Mole, old chap. You seem dead tired, no talk left in you, and your feet dragging like lead. We'll sit down here for a minute and rest. Poor Mole subsided forlornly on a tree stump and tried to control himself, but the sob he had fought with so long refused to be beaten. <laughs> up and up it forced its way to the air, <laughs> and then another, <laughs> and then another, <laughs> till poor Mole at last gave up the struggle and cried freely and helplessly and openly. The astonished rat did not dare speak for a while. What is it, old fellow? Whatever can be the matter, tell us your trouble and let me see what I can do. I know it's a shabby, dingy little place, not like your cosy quarters or, or Toad's beautiful hall or... Badger's great house, but it was my own little house and I was fond of it. <laughs> and then I went away and forgot all about it. And then I smelt it suddenly on the road when I called and you wouldn't listen, Rand. <laughs> oh, dear. And when you wouldn't turn back, Ratty, and I had to leave it though I was smelling it all the time. I thought my heart would break. <laughs> We might have just gone and had one look at it, Ratty. It was close by, but you wouldn't turn back, Ratty. You wouldn't turn back. <laughs> the rat stared straight in front of him. I see it all now. What a pig I have been. A pig. That's me, just a pig. A plain pig. Well, now, we'd really better be getting on, old chap. And Rat set off up the road again over the toilsome way they had just come. <gasps> where, where, wherever are you going to, Ratty? We're going to find that home of yours, old fellow, so you'd better come along, for we shall want your nose. Oh, come back, Ratty, do. Think of Riverbank and your supper. Hang Riverbank and supper too. I tell you, I'm going to find this place, even if I stay out all night. So. Cheer up, old chap! Still snuffling, pleading and reluctant, 
Mole suffered himself to be dragged back along the road by his companion, who, by a flow of cheerful talk and anecdote, endeavoured to make the weary way seem shorter. At last, it seemed to the rat they must be nearing that part of the path where Mole had been held up. Now then, Mole, use your nose. <sighs> Suddenly, a faint sort of electric thrill passed down the Mole's body. Without warning, he dived down a tunnel, but the rat was on the alert and promptly followed him. It was close and airless, and the earthy smell was strong, and it seemed a long time to rat ere the passage ended and he could stand up straight. The mole struck a match, and by its light the rat saw they were standing in an open space, and directly facing them was Mole's little front door with Mole End painted in Gothic lettering over the bell pull at the side. Mole's face beamed and he hurried Rat through the door, lit a lamp in the hall, and took one glance round his old home. <sighs> oh, Ratty, why ever did I do it? Why did I bring you to this poor, cold little place on Christmas Eve? But the Rat paid no heed. He was running here and there, opening doors and lighting lamps and candles. What a ripping little house this is. So compact, so well planned. We'll make a jolly night of it. The first thing we want is a good fire. I'll see to that. And you get a duster, Mole, and try and smarten things up a bit. Bustle about, old chap. Encouraged by his inspiriting companion... The mole roused himself and dusted and polished with energy and heartiness, while the rat, running to and fro with armfuls of fuel, soon had a cheerful blaze roaring up the chimney. He hailed the mole to come and warm himself by the fire when sounds were heard outside. Now then, all in a line, hold the lantern up a bit, Tommy. Clear your throats. Oh, what's up, mole? I think it must be the field mice. They go round carol singing this time of the year, and they never pass me over. It will be like old times to hear them again. Let's have a look at them then, cried the rat, running to the door. It was a pretty sight, and a seasonable one. In the forecourt, lit by the dim rays of a lantern, some eight or ten little field mice stood in a semicircle, their feet jigging for warmth. <laughs> As the door opened, one of the elder ones was just saying, Now then, one, two, three. And forthwith, their shrill little voices uprose on the air.
sung, boys. And now come in, in all of you, and warm yourselves by the fire, and have something hot. It did not take long for Rat to prepare a brew of mulled ale, and soon every field mouse perched in a row on a bench before the fire, their small legs swinging, was sipping and coughing and choking, for a little mulled ale goes a long way, and wiping his eyes and laughing and forgetting he had ever been cold in all his life. After an evening of festive merriment, the field mice clattered off at last, very grateful and showering wishes of the season, Mole and Rat drew their chairs toward the fire, brewed themselves a last nightcap of mulled ale, and discussed the events of the long day. Mole, old chap, I'm ready to drop. Is that your bunk over there? Very well, then. I'll take this. What a ripping little house this is. Everything so handy. The weary mole also was glad to turn in without delay, and soon had his head on his pillow in great joy and contentment. Just before he closed his eyes, he let them wander round his old room, mellow in the glow of the firelight, which now smilingly received him back. Indeed this was a most wonderful Christmas present. The performances I share with you in this podcast are freely given. Many podcasts ask for donations, and rightly so, and some run advertisements to generate revenue. I'm not doing any of that at the moment, but you can support this podcast by buying one or more of my books, including four I have narrated as audiobooks. Even if buying books is not in your budget right now, you can leave reviews which are pivotal for an independent author. You can always get free reads from me if you are in my readers list, and you can join at my website, poetprofit.com, where profit spelt P-R-O-P-H-E-T, and going to the free book page. Before I go, mark your calendar for the book giveaway on Amazon this coming Friday, December the 28th. It's going to be... Well-versed. It's my tribute to Shakespeare, poets and the performing arts, and it's inspired by my experiences from London to Beijing, from New York to Buenos Aires. So, signing off for today and wishing you a Merry Christmas. Until next week, this has been Abdiel Leroy.